Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. Last week, I shared with you part one of The Importance and Purpose of Crime. I want to start where we ended, and that was with the question, what's the difference in the prayers of the people who are still waiting and those whom God has already answered? What's the difference between the tears and cries of one person and the heartfelt weepings of another? Will he answer the prayers of one and not the other? And if he does, why? These are questions that many will ask themselves when they pray and cry. So let's see what really makes the difference when we cry out to the Father. In 1 Chronicles 5, 18 through 20, it reads, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men ready for military service, able-bodied men who could handle shield and sword, who could use a bow, and who were trained for battle. They waged war against the Hagrites, Jeter, Mapish, and Nodab. They were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagrites and all their allies into their hands because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because, and here it is, they trusted in him. The Israelites that went into battle were trained for warfare. The Bible says that they were able-bodied men. They knew how to handle their weapons. These were men who were accustomed to fighting conflicts, just as many of us are. We know how to fight in the spirit, and we've been taught how to use our weapons of warfare. We know the weapons we use are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. One reason a person's battles will continue especially the same battle, is because they're fighting in the flesh and not the spirit. If the enemy knows that he can keep us focused in one area, fighting the same battles over the same issues, why should he change his tactics? If he knows that he can continually keep someone focused on their finances and money problems with fear and doubt, why should he stop attacking in that area? When someone begins to take things into their own hands, making high interest loans, payday and predatory loans, that's when one should realize, recognize that the enemy has them trapped. In personal battles, when one resorts to cursing, physical altercations, hitting, revenge, and even hatred, they turn to fighting in the flesh. When one plots and plans their vengeance or even refuses to forgive and move on, it shows that flesh rather than spirit is in control. When a person is motivated and reacts according to fear and doubt, it signifies that their battles are flesh and not in faith and trust in God. We should query ourselves whether or not we're still reacting to the thoughts the enemy gives us concerning finances, marriages, or even our health. It's one thing to use wisdom, but it's something entirely different to be controlled by fear. I can only pray for those who are continuing to allow their battles to be dictated by their flesh. We have been trained for battle, just like the men in 1 Chronicles 5, yet as trained, skilled, and able-bodied as they were, the word says that they were helped in fighting their enemy. 
God didn't leave them to fight by themselves, and he doesn't leave us either. The word says that God didn't just deliver their enemy into their hand, but even those who helped their enemy. And it wasn't because they were Israelites or because of sacrifices. It wasn't because they had such great battle plans or even great numbers of men. It was not only because they cried out to God, but how they cried out to him. One thing that needs to be understood is that when these men cried out to the Father, they cried out in prayer. Their cries were petitions directly to God for help. They didn't just cry because they were feeling sorry for themselves. The tears they shed were those of distress, pain, and hurt. When they looked at those who had fallen in battle, possibly their sons or brothers, friends and neighbors, their tears had to be those of grief and even anger. Yes, they cried out, but while they cried, they fought. They didn't stop fighting even while they were crying, which means they didn't give up and neither will we. Your tears and pain are not in vain. Some have just given into weeping without realizing they've fallen into depression. Some of you may have heard me say this before, but one of the things that God taught me as I was grieving for my husband years ago is that there's a difference between grief and depression. We must always remember grief is a season, but depression in most instances is a spirit. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time and season for everything under the sun. There is a time to grieve and a time to cry, but remember also that seasons change and so will yours. You will not always be in a time and season of weeping. However, depression on the other hand is something entirely different. As stated before, depression for many has been a spirit. Yes, that demon of depression has overtaken some and refuses to let go. This is another area where we must stand up and fight while we are crying out to the Father. But remember, we can't fight spirits with flesh. Too many have lost their battles with depression because that demon, that spirit of depression, tells you that things will never get better. It tells you that it will only get worse, and it will even tell you that you would be better off dead. When that begins to happen is when a spirit of suicide comes in. If you or someone you know is battling with depression, get help. Yes, fight in the spirit and pray, but don't be afraid to get professional help. Talk about your feelings. Listen if it's others who need to talk and cry out to the Father. Pray and pray much. Remember, as stated earlier, that your weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Fight in the spirit so that you can win your battle against that spirit of depression and or suicide. And remember that this battle is no less than the one that the Israelites fought against their enemies. Also remember, Israel won, and so will you, because we serve the same God. Yet again, we must ask, what makes the difference between some winning and others losing? Let me share another key element that needs to be noted, which I believe is the most important thing of all. 
No matter how much we pray, cry, and call out to the Father, if we do these things with doubt and unbelief, then our prayers to the Father are hindered. The word says that God answered their prayers because they trusted him. When we cry out to the Father, no matter if it's because we have rebelled in sin, whether we are lost in the wilderness, wandering in darkness, or just being tossed about in the storms of life, remember that it's okay to cry, but while you're crying, you've got to trust him. When we're praying for our children, whether they're still little or grown, the times will come when we will cry over them. But whether we're crying out for their salvation or for their deliverance, you've got to trust God implicitly. One of my strongest testimonies is when I remember crying out to the Father for the salvation of one of my sons. For weeks and weeks I had been weeping asking God to bring him back in. One day I heard the Lord say, Beatrice. I meekly answered, yes, Lord. He said, no one wants him saved more than me. Let me tell you here and now, no one wants that loved one saved. No one wants that healing done. No one wants that thing that you need in your life more for you than God. But always remember, when that time comes, yes, cry out to the Father in prayer. Whether crying out over your children, marriages for healings, directions or finances, we can cry, but let those cries be to the Father in prayer because you trust him. God answered the prayers of the Israelites because they trusted him. How much do you trust God? And by the way, my son did come back to the father, rededicated his life to him, and has been faithfully serving him ever since. I've seen people post the 91st Division of Psalms for so many, many reasons. But again, I believe that there's a key element to that Psalms which agrees to everything that God is speaking to us right now. In the second verse, it reads, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. With all that the psalmist says that God will do in his writings, it begins in the second verse with the statement that God is the God in whom he trusts. His trust is established from the beginning. We must take that same stance and lay the foundations of our trust, our belief, and hope in God. We cannot expect our Father to respond to our petitions, see our tears, or answer our cries if we don't trust him. As a woman who truly lives by faith from month to month, I truly never know how my budget is going to be covered. With a small annuity and social security, it's not nearly enough to pay the bills that come in every month. I assure you, I know that I'm a good steward over what God has placed in my hands. I don't have credit cards. I don't do shopping sprees. And I rarely, very rarely go to restaurants if, unless someone invites me out to eat with them and they're paying. For years in ministry, God taught me to trust him for the offerings I would receive at speaking engagements. As many of you know, 
I've never asked for or demanded honorariums in any amount. It's always been by faith. I've continually trusted God to speak to his sons and daughters concerning finances, and I also trust him that they will hear and obey. Some do, and others, well, I believe they will eventually. It's amazing to see God bring me from faith to faith. His word says in the Amplified Classic Edition of the Bible in Romans 1.17, For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. I live. We live, we all live from faith to faith. Living by faith, truly living by faith, is not an easy task to learn, but it's not impossible. I've witnessed so many strategies, games, and tactics that people have used to get money during their services that they believe is part of them living by faith. Let me say if that's what God spoke to them, then that's what they were called to do. However, for this prophet, God has never allowed me to use any of those maneuvers to raise offerings. God has taught me to trust him and even in the most difficult times, when being attacked by fear and doubt, God would give me the very words that I needed to hold on and believe. He would give me the very scriptures that were necessary to remind him of his words and promises to me. Even when my faith was weak, he would remind me of Mark 9 when Jesus asked the father of the boy who needed deliverance, did he believe? Mark 9, 24 reads, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. The father cried out to the Lord with tears. He assured Jesus that he believed, but there was a minuscule amount of unbelief that he struggled with. However, it would seem that his belief was greater than his unbelief. Quite possibly, we have all cried. Yes, cried these words out to the Father more times than we could ever count. I did believe. We do believe. Each and every one of us believes in our Father, but in those areas of doubt where we needed him to help us overcome our unbelief, he always did and he always will. He heard my cries. He hears your cries. Even when there's that small amount of unbelief, he will answer as long as we trust him. However, our belief must be greater than our unbelief, and our trust must be greater than our doubt. God's word is not a magic incantation that we can just keep repeating it in order to get what we want. His words are true, right, and just. But when we call on his name, even when it's according to his word, our trust in him must be established. The 15th verse of the 91st division of Psalms, God responds to the psalmist saying, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him 
and honor him. As I always say, when we call, God hears us. And when he hears, he answers. Yet those cries must be in faith and trust. Let me repeat, your tears are not in vain. They not only hold purpose, they hold value. It reads in the 56th division of Psalms that God records and places our tears in a bottle. Yes, your tears are important and precious to the Father, especially when he knows that your faith and trust is in him. When he knows that we trust him and are depending on him to do what's needed and what he promised he would do, God moves. And let me add that trusting God also means obeying God. There is no place where we can trust him, but then go away that he never ordained. So let me say, it's all right to shed tears, sob, and express our hurts and pains. It's okay to acknowledge that you're hurting, distressed, and even depressed. But in all of it, never forget to trust the Lord, our God. While you're crying, cry with trust in the Father. When we trust him, he will answer. When we cry out to him during the battles, God will answer our prayers because we trust him. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net. And through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support. And may God bless each and every one of you.